We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Golden Valley, your exclusive Twin Cities home for the Ramsey Show. Live weekday afternoons from 1 to 4. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Israel is pounding targets in the southern Gaza Strip, intensifying a renewed offensive and ending a week-long truce with Hamas. Heavy Israeli airstrikes hit parts of southern Gaza overnight, lighting up the dark sky. One of the targets was Khan Yunis, where members of the Hamas leadership are believed to be hiding. Hamas accused Israel of waging a genocidal war. Across Gaza, hospitals already under pressure were struggling to cope with a large number of casualties, many of them children. The UN says no aid convoys entered Gaza from Egypt yesterday, and there's no guarantee any delivery will happen today. That is BBC's Hugo Bachega reporting. An earthquake with a preliminary magnitude of 7.6 struck today off the coast of the southern Philippines island of Mindanao. This is SRN News. Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again? Somebody has to do something. Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside? What's that? It's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy. I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the Upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it? No strings attached? Yep, it's awesome. Check it out. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside. With the price of gas today, it's big news and big money. To cash out of your Upside cash, just transfer it to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an extra $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's code S-A-L-E-M. Use code SALEM for an extra $0.25 cents per gallon back in your first fill-up. Cashback's not available in gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. This is an urgent announcement for anyone that's $10,000 or more in debt. Before you make another minimum payment, you need to know there are special programs that can completely free you of your debt. Total Financial Freedom can help you become debt-free in months instead of years. Resolve your credit card debt, signature loans, department store cards, internet loans, and timeshares. Call now at 800-533-6605 for a free consultation. For 16 years, Total Financial Freedom has helped thousands get out of debt. You can feel confident when calling because Total Financial Freedom is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and a Christian-owned company. Don't get stuck in the endless cycle of payments. You have the right to get your debt resolved and substantially reduce your monthly payments. Call Christian-owned Total Financial Freedom now at 800-533-6605. That's 800-533-6605. 800-533-6605. Portions of the following program may have been pre-recorded. No! Come on, rise and shine. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. 
The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Is it safe? It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. The mind is a globe with whirling transient nodes of thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. 651-289-4477, number to call with questions and comments. Um, I've been thinking about whether or not I want to name last hour's episode, uh, Inflation is Your Fault. Um, I, I I don't think that's actually true. Uh, it's just, but it was the title of an article uh, that uh, was posted uh, at The Atlantic yesterday which uh, has gotten a lot of uh, has gotten a lot of uh, pushback uh, on the uh, inter on the internet, uh, and I wanted to talk more about inflation and the fact that we all experience our own individual rates of inflation, but that these different rates of inflation often get confused to people because everyone thinks we all get the same inflation rate. We don't, and there's a whole lot of I mean, I always like to say there's a whole lot of micro going on underneath the macro. And so, and I really liked a piece that uh, my friend uh, John Phelan from the Center of the American Experiment uh, had posted on his Substack uh, earlier this week. Uh, and so I've invited John to come talk about it with me. And uh, I always love a good chance to visit with him. John, good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy, happy Thanksgiving to you too. My first All right. Citizen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I actually wanted to talk about this this piece, and and people might wonder why, because you're actually focused on on something that's you're using inflation or price indexes to talk about something that's rather different, in particular regarding the Twin Cities and how we have different we have different inflation rates depending on where you live. Could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, the um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they produce the CPI number that uh, everybody hears once a month and it's gone up or down or whatever by uh, a certain percentage um, over a month and then over a year it's done. That's the number that's generally reported. It's done something slightly different. Um, but they, they produce other indexes as well. Um, price indexes at levels below that. So I think they do uh, kind of like census regions. So there's like a Midwest. There's also below that, there's like an upper Midwest and a, a, another subset of the Midwest. But they also do price indexes for uh, metropolitan areas, <clears throat> which includes the Twin Cities MSA, um, you know, which uh, includes Minneapolis, St. Paul, a couple of counties uh, in Wisconsin. And so there's a separate price index for that, just as the same there's a separate price index for you know Miami or somewhere and one thing that you've seen in the last year or so is that the price index for the twin cities um has i mean when, for starters people talk about inflation falling what they mean is that the rate of inflation is falling the rate of increase is Correct. falling right not that prices are falling which is a common misnomer um, but what's happened in the last year or so is that the price index in the twin cities um, has the increase has fallen by more than it has nationally, 
and local media being what it is has taken this to be some great kind of boosterish thing you know babbitry i call it on the website um you know it's a sign that things are going really well and one thing that's been pointed to is uh um housing because housing costs are a big part of what goes into the basket um that forms the cpi because it's a, a kind of representative basket of consumer prices and so if housing costs go up they go down that can have a big impact on inflation and in uh, the twin cities uh those housing costs haven't gone up quite so much as in other places um now some people say that's because uh, we're building a lot more houses because we've had this big zoning reform in minneapolis um, and that's possibly part of it but another part of it surely is on the uh, demand side you know that's the supply side thing but on the demand side you know that prices are functions of supply and demand and one factor that you've got is that people just don't want to live in the twin cities to the extent that they do want to live in places like miami which are having population booms so are you really seeing when they they talk about different price levels increases between metropolitan areas are you really seeing different inflation rates or are you seeing really just uh, uh, the, the the result of different supply and different demand for products in different areas it's relative prices and that's not inflation right so so john i think i think one of the things we should set the table for here is it, and i'm going to i'm going to put on my teacher hat for for a little bit is is uh, a line that uh, we I think we all attribute to uh, Scott Sumner, uh, a great a great uh, blogger, former professor, now retired uh, from Brandeis, um, out out in the Northeast, uh, where he says never reason from a price change, right? So, yeah. so I think you've done a nice job of explaining uh, that there's there's some things happening that are funky in in the supply of housing in the Twin Cities, as well as on the demand side. And you're making this argument that, well, people don't really want to live in the Twin Cities, so the demand for housing falls, and therefore the price is, the price is rising by much less as a result of that. John, how can somebody think about how to pull apart the supply and demand pieces to get that, to sort of get at which one of these explanations might be true? Well, one thing that there's two kind of things that you can look at. Um, one is just how much housing is being built. Um, and this is an interesting thing, you know, so in Minneapolis, we've had these zoning reforms, but there are kind of lead times to these things. Um, so, you know, it, it's not like they pass zoning reform and the next day there were 10,000 new houses. Um, you know, it takes some time. So there has been a construction boom. You, you know, you go around the Twin Cities and you see uh, all kinds of, you know, houses being demolished and turned into... Uh, units with 20 apartments or so on them. Um, but so that's one thing to look is the, the, the housing being built. And I suppose the other thing to look at if you want to see the, you know, the kind of demand side um, of the equation is population movements. And, you know, if you look at Florida, I mean, Florida's sucking in hundreds of thousands of people every year from other parts of the United States. Um, it's, it's, it's the number one destination for Minnesotans fleeing the state. Um, and um, it's interesting, I think, to note, you know, if you look at the Twin Cities, the population has actually declined in the metro counties in the last couple of years, which is a, 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 a first for, for a very long time that that's happened. Um, and actually, the last year or two, 
um, were the first years in a very, very long time that the uh, population in rural Minnesota increased faster than the population in the Twin Cities. Um, so interesting things. Wait, hang on, hang on. I'm going to make you repeat that just because, just because I mean, my jaw just dropped. Say that again, please. Yeah. In the last couple of years, the population in, in non-metro Minnesota increased at a faster rate than the population in the, the Twin Cities. Yeah. Wow. Holy heck. I, one, okay. One aspect, I think I watched aspect, those data pretty well. I didn't. I actually did not know that. Yeah, that's on. I have to send you. It's on our website. I wrote something about it at the time. Um, it's a part of it. Actually, is the work from home thing. Um, and there was a, there was an interesting article on Bloomberg about <clears throat> people. You know, because I mean, if you're working from home, you can live in an expensive place in South Minneapolis or a cheaper place. You know, somewhere further north. Um, and, you know, it doesn't really make much difference to you. And the people who live in these smaller towns that are receiving these people are kind of getting cheesed off by this influx of urbanites. But there's all kinds of things that flow from that. Yeah. So so we, we have. A, so the argument then is twofold. The the hey, it's because we have better zoning and, and we have these new housing res- regulations. And your argument is there's a lag time. And it's too soon for that to have shown an effect. Although, you, I guess there might be an argument that pricing is influenced by future future supply as well as current supply. Yeah, I kind of with you on that. I kind of think that's probably not a great argument. But but you know, if you if they're trying to push back on your story, but these moving inf- data. I think are really interesting. I don't know that you've looked at this, but there's often been these stories. Uh, oh gosh, what is his name? Mark something, um, who is at Michigan, one of the University of Michigan campuses, uh, and uh, does I think he's been with a Mark Perry. That's his name, Mark Perry, who was oh, a yeah. Un- University of Minnesota grad, right? Uh, and um, he's done these things on U-Haul. The prices of taking a U-Haul from Minneapolis to, let's say, Orlando versus the U-Haul from Orlando to Minneapolis. I don't know if you've looked at those data uh, recently. I'm curious about how what's been the difference, because typically when you're moving from Minneapolis to Orlando, the cost of the U-Haul is greater than, than in, on the return trip, because what if more people are moving from Minnesota to uh, then moving into Minnesota, you would expect that you'd see you'd see the, the U-Haul prices going out to be greater than the ones coming in because you're basically helping U-Haul get a truck back into a market where they can get a higher price. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, this this is data that uh, I, it does get co- commented on quite a bit, and it's interesting stuff. Um, I, yeah. I've not looked at it recently. Um, it does tend to show the things that you say. Um, but I think if, if you look at the Census Bureau data, um, which is reasonably current, I think that runs up to 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you see it there. You know, this is and, and the, one of the articles that covered this uh, inflation thing, I think it was the Star Tribune, did actually have one line somewhere way at the bottom of the article that, you know, oh, yeah, the fact that we haven't got a particularly fast population growth is another factor in this. Um, you know, <laughs> so people know it, but they don't really want to say it. Um, because, right. like I say, the, the media in the state is, I use the phrase as babbitry and boosterism, and that really is a large part of what they're about. So you're pretty, sh- so it, it, it is, it is um, clearly, it's clearly then 
to you that this emphasis on the low rate in Minnesota relative to other cities, this is something that's new and it and is it being driven by like the one reporter at the Star Tribune or I mean what I mean why I mean I've never seen stories like that before. Why is that happening? Uh, well, I think uh, so. One of the things is, I mean, it's not just the Star Tribune that's reported this. I would say as well that I haven't seen a story on this since October. So I think the most recent data they were talking about was the change from September to October. Okay. Um, but so, so, so it may be that. I mean, one thing that you find when you cover the news in Minnesota is that when the when the ind- indicators move one way, the media is all over it. When the indicators move another way, they just don't talk about it. Um, the population numbers are a great example of that. Um, we had two years, I think it was 17 and 18, where the, popu- the, the net domestic migration rate flipped positive in Minnesota, just kind of randomly after years of outflow. And you can go online and find all kinds of stories that are written about this. Um, and then in the last couple of years, when we've had record population outflows, the media doesn't talk about it. Um, you know, we've lost... There's something like 40,000 people in two years on net, and the media's just not interested. Um, so that's, that's, that's a, a, a big issue that you have, I think. Um, so why do they talk about it? They're always looking for good news stories. Um, I, I think generally, I've, I've never really seen anybody write too much about the Twin Cities pod inflation rate before. Um, it just became a thing because it was a good news story. And like I said, I think I, I've used this data because if you drill down below it, there's some really interesting numbers in there. So once you start to look at you know, the cost of heating, for example, uh, between one area and another, that's really interesting data. All right. You know, why- I'm going to actually put a pin in that. I need, to take, I need to take a break here, John, but we'll come back, and I want you to go right back to that because you know, your heating bill is about to get pretty high here because it's December in Minnesota. Uh, let's take a break here. We come back. We'll visit more with uh, John Phelan uh, from the Center of the American Experiment, AmericanExperiment.com is the website to find their stuff. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. opioids into your home. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But holding on to opioids puts your family at risk. Learn more at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. All of us love sports, but not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. Minnesota High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Looking for a new way to give back to your community, learn new skills, and make a real difference? Consider volunteering with your local fire department. 
The majority of U.S. firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers, answering the call when their community needs them. Be part of a dedicated team of volunteers who step up and protect their community from all types of hazards. You can be the difference. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. Aside from helping your community and being there for those in need, being a member of the Volunteer Fire Service provides many benefits, including an opportunity to learn new skills and join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. Your community needs you. Will you answer the call? Learn more and find a local volunteer opportunity at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. The Ramsey Show. I'm going to close on a new house, so I took a brokerage loan of 80000 for the down payment. I plan to keep my previous primary residence as a rental. Nope, I wouldn't keep that other house. You're in debt up to your eyeballs, man. You just fell completely off the wagon and rolled down the road. Yeah, I did. And you went to a brokerage account for a down payment. Unbelievable, man. You are really playing it. You're curling the two hairs I have left. Weekdays from 1 to 4 p.m., live on the Biz 1440. Advantage Autoglass is your local Autoglass specialist for over 20 years. Expect a lifetime warranty and no insurance hassle. Visit ReplaceMyWindshield.com. ReplaceMyWindshield.com. Tips, nicks, or cracks. Call Advantage Autoglass. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Um, we're talking about how how you use the cost of living, which is different than inflation. And we're doing this with uh, John Phelan from the Center of the American Experiment. John, what is your title for them now uh, at the center? Uh, my title is economist. Economist, good. They did call you senior economist because that, that, that's just terrible. Um, it's sort of, it, 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 it sort of is the start of the end. I'm just saying, um, so don't let them do that to you. Um, so, so you, we, we put a pin in this idea that we're about to talk about heating costs, right. And the difference in prices that you, when you drill down in this, so, so take us there. And then I want to go back to something else that was in your, in your Substack piece about the differences in prices of real estate as well between Florida and Minnesota. Yeah, so so like what I was saying about this, these local indices, these kind of metro area indices, is that the indices themselves might be, I, I personally think they're a fairly limited value, but there's an awful lot of really interesting data that goes into making them up. Um, so you can look at, and I, I, I mentioned heating costs because I wrote something about this some time ago, because uh, when inflation was going up, we actually had our local inflation rate go up by more uh, than the national rate. That wasn't talked about, um, but I do. I, I drilled down below that, and it was heating costs that were driving a large part of that, um, more so than in uh, other parts of the country, as or even neighbouring states. So you know, why is that? You know, subject for future research. Um, but there is an awful lot of interesting data that these things produce, um, and like I say, so again, if you look down at the housing costs as another component of this, another kind of thing that goes feeds into it um it is just the fact that i mean florida is is hoovering people in sucking people in 
Um, so that's driving up house prices and they just can't build houses uh, or housing units fast enough to accommodate people. So price has to adjust uh, to kind of bring things into equilibrium or to move things towards equilibrium. Um, and that's just a different situation that you have in Minnesota. Right. And they call that inflation, John. But but frankly, yeah. you and I as economists think that's just well, that's just the price system at work allocating a scarce resource. Exactly. I mean, so so for example, do you remember the the thing a while ago about um, eggs? Like eggs yeah. got really expensive at one bit, and I saw people use the price of eggs and say, "Oh my god, inflation, price gouging," and it's no, it's not. There was some kind of problem with the the chicken industry or the egg industry. Like I yep. think some processing plant had burned down or something like that. That um, plus so avian flu. Yeah, yeah. And so what you're seeing there is a relative price change. It's not inflation. It's you know, it reflects supply and demand of, of things. And those things are always going to be changing. They're always going to be going up, always going to go down. There's always going to be some fluctuations and all the rest of it. Um, inflation is really trying to measure something different from – it's absolutely trying to measure something different from just, you know, a particular price that went up. So I think there's a – so there's a couple lessons here we can draw. One, I what I liked about your piece, and I will tweet – I. I will tweet the uh, Substack piece to folks because you've got some better, you got some really nice detail in that. Um, one of the things I really like about it is that you you sort of get people to look not so much at inflation per se, but looking at relative prices. And for an economist, it's relative prices that really matter in terms of resource allocation. Basically, who gets what, what gets produced, is determined by relative prices, and. And you sort of get at this piece of don't don't again. I'll use Scott Sumner's line: don't reason from a price change. Okay, mm. inflation being lower here might be a good thing. It might be a bad thing. You don't know. You just don't know. And then if you actually use your brain and a little economic theory, you might determine that one that the story that says, "Hey, that lower inflation is a good thing," is perhaps not as good as maybe. It's a bad thing. Maybe it represents the fact that we're losing population. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's just just to kind of perhaps be a bit more esoteric for a while. When you talk about, you know, kind of general and relative prices, um, you know, if you think of, uh, you know, David Hume's old thought experiments about doubling the money or something like that, um, you know, if, if you just dropped, you know, the, a, a loan of money into an economy so that you doubled the stock of money, in theory, there'd be no relative change in prices. You'd have an absolute change in the price level, but the relative prices of things to each other would stay the same. Um, that's not how money enters an economy. So you have these Cantillon effects, which does affect relative prices. But like I say, I'm, that's that's an esoteric thing that I just yeah. thought I would throw out there. Yeah, that's no, great. It's great. Uh, but by the way, if I ever get a chance to hire an, hire uh, an economics instructor up here, I wonder if you'd be willing to make the drive to St. Cloud. Um, because that'd <laughs> it's a be, lovely part. I, I, mean, I mean, you'd be the first person, you'd be the, I think you'd be the first person in a long time to talk about Kention in, uh, in, in a classroom, at least since I stopped teaching 10 years ago. Um, really? <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, but the other point is, I think you can use some of what you're talking about to describe differences in policy. So I'm wondering, one way to turn this article you have on, on its head is to say, 
well, why can't Florida build houses faster? I know that the Senate American experiment where you work is engaged in trying to determine things about housing policy. You've got numerous articles about it. Do you have any feel for how well, how fast we would build houses for an influx of uh, for an influx of uh, new population in Minnesota versus Florida? Will Florida adjust faster than Minnesota, or would Minnesota perhaps adjust faster than Florida? Well, one thing, I mean, this is just kind of, you know, plucking things out of the air, is that we have a lot of land here, and that may not necessarily be the case in Florida. I mean, useful land anyway. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my, my view of Florida is still very largely con- conditioned by that old TV show, Gentle Ben, um, set in the Everglades, you know. So a lot, uh, I think a lot of Florida is kind of swamp you can't build on, which is perhaps not true. Um, but, you know, so but there's another aspect as well about this. So if you look at the Twin Cities... Um, there is this big move towards density and population density, which means that we need to knock down single-unit houses, single-family homes, and build, you know, uh, apartment blocks and things like that. And that's driven by this kind of uh, uh, Minneapolis 2030 plan. And this plan assumes that there's going to be something like 30% population growth over 10, 20 years, which is just insane. That's not going to happen. Um, so there is a policy uh, stance in the Twin Cities towards building and building units, not necessarily building houses, but just building units. Um, and there is a kind of ideology behind that, which is that urban dense living is green living, sustainable living, because, of course, no one's going to have cars in these places. They're all going to get light rails and buses everywhere. Um, now, if in Florida you have a different kind of ideology, then that will not be the case. Um, if you have a more, let's say, conservative ruling ideology in Florida, which is that people should not be, you know, living in tiny apartments and getting the light rail hither and thither, but that they should be living in single-family homes and driving around, then that does bring with it a cost in terms of the housing you can supply. Um, so it does mean that Florida is, is going to struggle more than a Minnesota would to accommodate these things. Yeah. So, right. And I think that I think that's so I think that's the the major point here is that we're we are having difficulty adjusting to adjusting to changes in population. And to wrap up with one more point, as you think about those differences of populations within the country, within the United States, you also have to think about the fact that we have less population growth here. I was reading a report uh, from a. Uh, uh, a guy that studies the housing industry uh, named uh, Tom Lawler. Um, I don't know if you follow him or not, John, but he's he's really terrific. Um, looking at the census data, and the census data, you know, I'm not sure we've talked about this on the show yet, so I'll break this out with you. The latest census forecast for t- from this year actually show a peak of the United States population, mm. right? It yeah. peaks out. It peaks out at... Uh, at about twenty, about twenty eighty, and then starts to decline. But we're to, we're looking at perhaps ten percent lower. You know, we we think we can somehow forecast things thirty years from now. But what happens if it turns out your population numbers are off by to by twenty, twenty five, thirty, forty billion million? Excuse me, in the United States, or off by let's say let's say uh, two two percent of that, whatever that would be. 
you know, 80, eight, maybe they're off by 80,000, 90,000 in the Twin Cities um, because you have lower birth rates. Um, well, go ahead. Funnily enough, I did a, I did a project on this as an undergrad uh, many years ago now. Um, because Britain, for example, has a, a, a housing crisis, perennial uh, affordable housing crisis. And one of the things that people always say back home is that it's down to Margaret Thatcher selling all the council houses in the 80s with the right to buy scheme, which, which is kind of crazy because, you know, she didn't destroy the houses. She just transferred the ownership from the people who, from the government to the people who lived in them. So I don't see how that creates any kind of housing shortage. But what really is a, is a driver of it is I went back and I looked at population forecasts over time in Britain, going back to the 50s right through to, uh, this was what, about 2007 I did it, so the most recent were about 2000-ish. And you saw, um, and I revisited this a little while ago, you saw that all through, you know, the Thatcher period into the 90s, Britain's population was supposed to peak about 2000 and then drift down. Um, and what happened actually is new labor elected in 1997 immigration policy was rapid it was drastically reformed and now all the population projections just have you know the population increases shooting off the top of the charts over the next 20 30 years and that's put huge pressure on housing supply because 10 years ago or 20 years ago they were planning for a stagnant population and now they haven't got a stagnant population um, China's a, a really extreme example of this. This is an entire economy that seemingly has decided to put all its eggs, you know, in terms of a retirement basket into uh, real estate when the population is supposed to fall by half in the next 50 years or so. Um, by, the time my, by the time my son is 60, there will be half the population of China as there is now. I can't think of anything like it in human history, and I don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah. Well, we went down a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but that's one of the most to me. But I will say, I think that is the one that is one of the key questions for me of the next of the next 20 years. What's going on with population and how do you how do you stop it? And I know a lot of the work that you guys do at the Center of the American Experiment are talking about families and schools and things. Right. The things that encourage people to form families. Um, and housing's just one part of it, uh, but it, it's a big part of it. Hey, John, I got to let you go, uh, and uh, I want to thank you so much again for your time today. Uh, and we'll make sure that we get this out. We'll get the information out. John Phelan, Economist Center, American Experiment, Amer- AmericanExperiment.com, and the Substack is what's the Substack's uh, URL? I think it's called John's Econ or something like that. I, I okay. <laughs> I will, I will, I will set that all up, and also, of course, uh, occasional writer at the, at the at Econ Log at the Library of Economics and Liberty, and we appreciate that as well. John, thank you so much. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz, fourteen forty. Sometimes I feel I've got to. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle is back and bigger than ever. For six years, the Christmas Mortgage Miracle has made it possible to win next year's mortgage or rent. This year, we've raised the grand prize to $18,000 to pay for next year's mortgage or rent. Visit TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com to enter today. 
The Christmas Mortgage Miracle is sponsored by the Kingdom Builders. If you need roofing and gutter services, visit thekingdombuilders.com and support a local God-inspired business. Overwhelmed by your next move? Then take action and call Action Moving, your local Atlas Van Lines agent. With 27 years' experience, Action Moving provides quality, reliable moves guaranteed. Get free estimates and competitive rates on local and interstate moves at 1-800-328-3803 or go to actionmoving.com. That's 1-800-328-3803. And mention you heard it on Hittner Real Estate's Chalk Talk Radio. Member of the Better Business Bureau. Have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes? No, no one does. If you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the IRS, I've got some free advice for you. This service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes. And if you qualify, we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the IRS or our services cost you nothing. The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you. We promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-240-4587. 800-240-4587. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-859-3220. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-859-3220. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-859-3220. 3220. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds too. Call 800-859-3220. 800-859-3220 or biglou.com. Welcome back, King Bang. You show the Biz 1440. Thanks again to John Phelan from the Center of the American Experiment um, for uh, that chat. Um, I love getting together with John. We have coffee from time to time, and uh, what you heard was sounded just like coffee. Uh, it's just it, you, you're kind of walking into the middle of a conversation, which I know is always a, a problem when you're doing radio, but uh, we tried to frame it as best we can. It's wide ranging, but my basic point is my, the the point we entered in on was people are using inflation data to tell lots of different stories. They do so selectively. They do so without understanding where the, how the data are calculated, where the data come from. And I wanted to really emphasize this particular piece in John's work, which is that people are trying to reason something. Hey, Minnesota's great because its inflation rate is lower. Well, infl- that might not be a good thing. That might, in fact, be a bad thing. 
and we're, and we're seeing that. But let me back away to um, thinking about the fact, okay, so as of yesterday, the Federal Reserve is now in its quiet period. And so I could have, so I counted 12 different speeches given by Fed officials that touched in some way on monetary policy between Tuesday the 29th of November and Friday the 1st of December. Twelve. Everyone wanted to run out and get in and stick a stake in the ground. I mentioned the Chris Waller speech, which was the first one of the week, and which which um, and I'm not going to play it because I knew I wouldn't have time. Um, had didn't had that to say, but here's the here's the most important one. On on Friday, with only ten days till the meeting or eleven days until the meeting, Jay Powell himself goes to do a fireside chat at Spelman College. Okay, and and starts with a starts with a uh, with a speech that's posted on the website. And here's what he has to say. Um, here's what he has to say that was kind of throwing cold water on the fact that rates were falling. Let's play this. This is cut number one. The strong actions that we've taken have moved our policy rate up and well into restrictive territory, by which we mean that tight monetary policy is putting downward pressure on economic activity and inflation. Monetary policy is thought to affect economic conditions with a lag, and the full effects of our tightening likely have not yet been felt. The forcefulness of our response to inflation also helped maintain the Fed's hard-won credibility, ensuring that the public's expectations of future inflation remain well anchored. Having come so far and so quickly, the FOMC is moving carefully forward as the risks of under- and over-tightening are becoming more balanced. I now if I listened to that when I heard it the first two times my thought was okay he's trying to signal you know the stay the course metaphor but what he didn't say what the language that was missing was stay the course over an extended period the extended period phrase did not appear in his remarks okay and these are prepared remarks um and I and so there's a lot of consternation among folks like me who looked at markets that heard that talk and decided, oh, well, they're going to cut rates five times next year. This is awesome. Let's let's go. Let's buy more. Let's buy more treasuries. Let's buy let's buy more stocks. Let's buy more real estate. And it, it did. It struck it struck a lot of us, me included, as being well, that's a little weird, guys, but. But who knows? It could, you know, might be true. But I also picked up at the same time they were doing that because I told you I listened to, I listened to them all. Anything I could find that was by a Fed official last week, I listened to because that week just before the blackout period is very important. And the one that caught my ear was Austin Goolsby. He's the he's the head of the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago. He was an advisor to President Obama. He was an advisor to President Biden. He is probably at this point the person who's closest to um, closest to I I don't like the the hawk dove expression. He's the person who's probably closest to the point where he's going to oppose uh, 
keeping rates constant. He probably wants to cut sooner than anybody else out there right now. Okay? And and you've heard me say, I think the I think Austin Goolsby is a fantastic economist. I will say in the next breath, he is not someone who in his scholarship as an economist has spent much time thinking about monetary policy. He's relatively new to the game. And I kind of thought to myself, this was this was a fascinating cut. So this was Goolsby uh, yesterday at uh, yesterday at the Chicago Fed in a conversation. This, again, another fireside, chatty, you know, round not a round table so much, but just a a talk and op- uh, a, a town hall that kind of format. And so Austin Goolsby yesterday, this is cut seven. If you got services, housing, and goods. We had 2% inflation. We actually had less than 2% inflation pre-COVID. And that wasn't from everything being 2% inflation. Goods were minus 1% inflation a year. Housing was about 35 or 4% inflation a year. And services were 25 to 3% a year. And that combination is where, how we were at around 2%. Goods are back to minus 1% inflation a year. They got over 12. So that, that, that was a comment. And I think a lot of that was, was supply chain problems. Services, I always say, you know, they're slower. We know they're slower to come down. But actually, they've even started coming down. So in my mind, the key thing that we got to watch is housing. And it's got this mechanical component that the market rents are going to flow through, hopefully. Uh, and we've started to see that. But that... In the short run, of all the things that we're watching, that's probably the highlight of, of what I'm watching is if housing comes down to something like what it was pre-COVID um, and some of the market rent variables show it, inflation growing even less than what it was before COVID, we would be on path to get to 2%. And if you're on path to get to 2%, that probably means that rate cuts are coming and rate cuts are coming fast. So that's that's what uh, uh, that's what we're probably going to do. And so here's here's the point that they've now staked out claims. Goolsby is probably going to come into the meeting saying we need we need to not. First of all, we need to say we're not raising rates anymore. Second of all, we have to say we're on a path. And then third, which is con- contrary to what the what the chairman has said at previous FOMC meetings, he's now watching for the housing data and he's opened the door to all those arguments about, well, housing measures with a lag. You shouldn't be waiting for the lag. You should start cutting now. I think he's the issue. And I think he was the one, I think his comments, which happened almost at the same time that the chair was speaking at Spellman, I think people were reacting as much to the Goolsby comments as to the Powell comments. So I need to take a break there. When we come back, I'm going to take a little time to reflect. There were lots of people who passed away in the last week. Uh, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, Henry Kissinger, but Charlie Munger uh, from Berkshire Hathaway passed away this past week at the, at the delightful age of 99. Uh, and I thought a few clips of Charlie Munger would be a good way to go out this week on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Bad. 
volatility into opportunity today by investing with the big institutions not against them many people are getting taken advantage of by wall street learn why their returns are so much better than the average novice 401k investor learn the skills to be a better steward of your own money call for a free in-center or virtual investing class today at 952-814-4410 call online trading academy at 952-814-4410 or go to learn with ota.com the Bison. He fires it right, looking for January, and it's picked off. The Bobcats. Under pressure, he is sacked. This is the FCS playoffs. Hangs in, throws down the right side, it's caught. Goal line, touchdown. Our coverage begins at one. And lost the ball, McCaslin has it. He's into the end zone for a touchdown. On your home for Bison football, the Pioneer Seeds Bison Sports Network from Learfield. What is your healing power? Maybe your healing power is helping veterans with PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, depression, anxiety, or loneliness. Is your healing power a simple heartfelt letter or being a volunteer? It is estimated that over a half a million current warfighters will return from service diagnosed with PTSD and 22 veterans will commit suicide every day. Our veterans have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country. At HealVets.org, you can find out more about the healing power of pen pals, volunteers, therapy kits, and more. Discover your healing power at HealVets.org. Help Heal Veterans, together with you, has been helping one recovering veteran at a time. We are helping veterans heal together. What is your healing power? To find out about your power, visit HealVets.org. This PSA is sponsored by Help Heal Veterans. I'm Scott from the History Unplugged podcast. History can be a bit of a tongue twister with its weird sounding names of people, places, and things, but it really isn't that confusing. History is the story of who we are and how we comport ourselves while soaring to victory in battles over forts, seaports, and cities that fortunately thwarted the schemes of villains and their blood sports, like the 1415 Battle of Agincourt. It's about legal battles in courts, about the contortion of torts over the retorts of consorts that turned into kangaroo courts. I exhort you to listen to History Unplugged on the podcast player of your choice, and you can listen to it while wearing shirts, shorts, skirts, skorts, or jean shorts. The Ray- Ramsey Show. Mama's gonna be just fine when you die, financially speaking. I'm sure she'll cry. My wife is actually planning my death, and it's got me very concerned. My estate plan is predicating (laughs) on me predeceasing her, and I don't know how she knows that. The Biz 1440. Weekdays 1 to 4. GodTube.com. Inspiration, comedy, music, faith, and fun. Get the best of GodTube every morning and start your day with a smile. Great faith-based videos sent to your inbox daily when you subscribe at GodTube.com, a division of Salem Media Group. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Just a reminder, next week, Job Saturday. So we will be fully focused on the jobs report uh, that gives us our first peek at what happened in November. Um, current forecasts for the uh, U.S. economy slipped dr- pretty dramatically in the last week so that Q4 growth is now showing something closer to 1% to 1.5% versus the 2 to 25 Manufacturing numbers for October turned out to be pretty weak. 
for for one thing, construction a little construction was actually a little stronger than we thought. But uh, but by and large, uh, over over the last two weeks, uh, what we thought was going to be a two percent quarter is shaping up perhaps to be more of a one percent quarter. Is that the start of a recession? Uh, too soon to say. Um, but stick around for that. As I mentioned before, I just got to play a few of these clips for you because it had been my longtime wish for the King Banyan Show to do a remote from Omaha at a Berkshire Hathaway conference. I didn't even want to necessarily be in the room to watch the watch uh, uh, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett on stage together. Uh, there's plenty of video out there, but in the last week, of course, with the passing of Charlie Munger at the uh, age of 99, uh, lots and lots of clips. Um, he was the vice chair of Berkshire Hathaway. He is uh, he's responsible for some of the greatest investments that were ever made. But he was uh, just a, a very uh, influential, powerful guy. He had a law degree from Harvard, from the Harvard Law School. And indeed, I heard uh, Larry Summers last night on, on Bloomberg um, say uh, that uh, when uh, when he joined the board of the Harvard, the board of trustees for the Harvard Law School, uh, uh, Larry Summers was the president of Harvard. And so he had a fair number of opportunities to talk to uh, Munger and had some really nice reflections. We can find that on uh, Find that on uh, YouTube or on Bloomberg, if you subscribe to Bloomberg. Um, listen to that part. It's just really fascinating. Uh, he also talks about meeting Henry Kissinger, who also passed away, of course, at the age of 100. But I thought we'd, we'd end the show today with just a couple very short clips of uh, the humor of Charlie Munger. The reason I wanted to go to the Berkshire Hathaway conference is it was a, it's a riot. Um he would say things uh Warren Buffett was was direct but a little more genteel in his conversation um i listened to like 6 minutes of of munger and re- it had like a dozen clips of him in it and immediately half of them i'm like i can't play that on the air um uh, he was <laughs> he was very direct and sometimes his language was a little salty um uh and uh, not a believer at all in cryptocurrency. He referred to it as, uh, as I, I'll use the polite word, he referred to it as excrement um, and that you shouldn't invest in it. Um, and, and yet he, uh, he, there's a wisdom to what you hear from him that I, find, that I find really fascinating. So let me play a few of these. This is, let me play the first one. This is cut three, Spencer. So, no, I'm, I'm optimistic about life. If I can be optimistic when I'm nearly dead, surely the rest of you can handle a little inflation. Um, that has to be saved and put into the intro to the show, particularly, you know, particularly the last half of that. You can handle a little inflation. So it sort of re- reinforces the theme here. Uh, but that was the kind of humor he had. And he was genuinely optimistic about about the u.s economy and about i really think about the country generally speaking um in some senses uh a a guy that thought uh one of the great investments two great investments was were railroads and seize candy um strikes me as sort of a quintessential american let's play some more this is another clip of charlie munger cut number four 
Well, you don't want to be like the motion picture executive in California, and they said the funeral was so large because everybody wanted to make sure he was dead. No one's going to have to double check on 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 uh, Charlie Munger, of course, but uh, uh, these this was the wit that you would hear from him in in every one of those meetings. Let's play another one. This is cut five. It's not that great a business as a business, casualty insurance. It's a tough game. There are temptations to be stupid. In it. It's like banking. And, but competency is a, relative, is a relative concept. And what a lot of us need, including the one speaking, what I needed to get ahead was to compete, compete against idiots. And luckily, there's a large supply. Sometimes it's good to be the cleanest, dirty shirt in the laundry, right? Um, he said that. Then I thought this last one I thought was was kind of a little bit longer, but very important. Let's play this cut six. And on opportunity cost, going back to that, the current freshman economics text, which is sweeping the country, has right in practically the first page, and it says all intelligent people should think primarily in terms of opportunity cost. And that's obviously correct. But it's very hard to teach business based on opportunity cost. It's much easier to teach the capital assets pricing model, where you can just punch in numbers and outcome numbers. And therefore, people teach what is easy to teach instead of what is correct to teach. It reminds me of Einstein's famous saying, he says, everything should be made as simple as possible, but no more simple. And those are the words I like to think we follow here uh, on the show. We use numbers. We talk a lot about numbers, but at the end of the day, it takes common sense. So I want to thank once more John Phelan uh, from the Center American Experiment for spending time with us. Thank you as well to all those cuts from uh, Spencer, and we'll be thanking you next week on Job Saturday here on the King Banyan Show. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years, and it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I received every night about the most important issues to read about. 
PragerTopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager Store. Thousands of hours you can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free PragerTopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager, PragerTopia Unlimited. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. There are no words to describe it. The isolation, the boredom, the loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. If you're wondering, what's the 411? 411-